See this? This is my boomstick! got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. And Jack left town. Oh my gosh, we are back once again. It's time for Slow Robot A Go-Go, show 307 for those of you keeping track at home. Alright, this week I have another double feature of the uh, questionable quality kind, which of course I know is everyone's favorite. Let me let me turn on the uh, fluorescent glow of the light and I'll light the sacred uh, Slow Robot A Go-Go de-stink the studio candle, which is probably stuff we could have done off air and not bored you guys listening with this banter. But hey, what can I tell you? It's, uh, you know, Gonzo-style uh, podcasting at its best. Or worst. Oh my, don't say worst. <clears throat> anyway, my name is Mal, and this is uh, the podcast dedicated to B through Z grade movies. And mostly Z grade. Uh, sometimes B. Sometimes A. Never A. Anyway, uh, yes, what did I watch this week? We always start out, what do I watch? Light week this week, which means a sad week this week, really. <clears throat> I watched um, a documentary called Take Your Pills, which was a depressing thing. I didn't understand. I never heard about all the... I know I knew what Adderall was, or uh, but I didn't know that it was rampant in everyone younger than me. So, huh. Uh, maybe I should take that to keep up, man. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to keep up. <clears throat> you guys can go on without me. I'll stay here to talk about B-movies. Um, the documentary was pretty scathing as far as like how much, how how easy it is for kids just to buy and sell Adderall, how easy it is to get get given a prescription for Adderall. And, you know, you always hear, uh, like in pop culture, you always hear it in rap songs. You hear it, like, I, I'm sure South Park made fun of it at some point, you know, using Adderall. Uh, and just and then and they were talking about Ritalin. They were talking about like the whole history of it, you know, and and even how you know they're branching out into using like low dose psychedelics, and that keeps you focused and stuff. I'm like, wow, uh, academic steroids, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how much it really does. Or and then I started because then I went to work, and I work uh, at a place where mostly young kids. I'm the token old fat guy, and I was like, huh. I wonder how many of these these guys, people, women and men, are on it right now. Or I wonder how many. Maybe that explains some of the confusion I have. I don't know. Uh, then I watched. Uh, um, <clears throat> I fell down the Netflix rabbit hole. Or maybe it was was it Netflix or was it the? Uh, see, I have Netflix and Prime, which much like every app on your phone, Netflix and Prime they're at war with each other on my phone or on my TV. So I get to, you know, it's always a fun thing. It's not like it's intrusive, but it's kind of like, oh, how do you want to launch that? Because we're here. No, 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 we're here too. And you're like, oh, just somebody show me this dumb thing. Um, but I watched, what was it? Unlocked, the histor- history of video games. Or not the history of video games. It's like an in-depth, uh, deep dive uh, into video games. And it's this multi, I think 13 hour-long segments or some maybe not 13 but it's a lot and i so i watched the first one i was like oh this is cool you know because i'm kind of i love video games and uh, pinball machines and all that kind of stuff arcades you know and uh i love learning about it to be honest with you i i I don't read many books in my life but i read 
you know, the video the history of video games and the history of pinball and pinball. Like I have all these books that I've actually read cover to cover numerous times because I, you know, I, I, I'm so fascinated by it. I love it. You know, it's such a big part of uh, pop culture and in our world today. You know, video games and uh, <clears throat> and older older people like me are out there. You know, buying and selling video games like stand up arcade machines and pinball machines and building these home homages to arcades of the yesteryear because we remember them fondly, but we should probably not remember them fondly because I also know they were hives of scum and villainy. And uh, But we always whitewash that in our heads, and they're like, oh, they were so cool. And you're like, I don't know. But, uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, you know, the first one was great, and the second one was, and, and the third. And then, then you start, then it's kind of self-referential, and uh, and and. It's, it kind of fell off pretty hard. I mean, I'm up to eight. I don't think I'm going to finish the whole series because the only thing that was odd about this thing, because I do like, I, and I love those kind of documentaries. I watch them all the time. As I'm like, why the choices they had are like Tom Arnold sitting there talking to somebody and uh, Allison Haslip, which okay, she's entrenched in that that world. That's fine. And then I forget uh, Aston. Not Aston Martin. That's a car. If a car was interviewing people talking about video games, that would be that'd be great. But uh, they don't do that. Cars hate video games. Um, by by na- nature, naughty by nature. So it, basically, it, it fell off pretty hard, and then it became boring. I, I was exposed to a world I never heard of, which was uh, esports, which is like these. Now I knew of these competitions with you know where where. Uh, uh, leagues of Legends and uh, you know all like all those guys are out there like they have teams and they're playing. I didn't realize that they were selling out stadiums and I saw them sell out Madison Square Garden and then some gigantic place over in in uh, in Europe and I said holy crap I I, I just you know sometimes you stumble upon one of these little things and you go wait what am I looking at here and then they, and then they show you like holy shit that's a thing I can't even my brain can't even realize that that's a thing. But it is one I can tell because there it is, and uh, it's just interesting. I, I you know, and it, it's one of those things where you, you there's and, and and the funniest part is I I consider myself fairly knowledgeable about that world, yet I I was like, huh, I'm surprised by it. So it may, maybe I'm not as entrenched in that world as I think, or probably you know I'm not after uh, Super Nintendo. No, I mean I have all these systems and I play all these systems, but I'm not really a social gamer, so. That's probably where the disconnect is. I don't want to hear anyone's opinion through my headset when I'm playing a game about anything. In general, actually, really. Well, no, I can't say that. I listen to podcasts. Anyway, all right, sorry for that little... My brain fritzed out there. And then I watched a couple... Uh, Netflix has done a new release of some of more of the older Mystery Science Theater 3000s. Now that they have this allegiance... Netflix has launched the new seasons of Mystery Science Theater. If you didn't know, there was the, there was a Kickstarter program. I I funded a pretty high level, and I so I got all the digital downloads and all the crap and blah blah blah. But they also um, so Netflix has those seasons, and they're gonna have a second season, which is great. I, I don't know if I like it as much as the older ones because that's the ones I watched. You know, uh, the new guys. He's he's serviceable. He's funny. You know, but uh, with that relationship, now they're kind of bringing some on board so people can watch them and have more access to them. They had 10, and now they've upped it to another 10. Uh, I don't know if some of the older ones probably fell off or not, but, you know, so... And, and Rift Tracks is out there, too. Um, yay for these guys. I, I've, I've grown up loving them. I've watched them my whole entire life. Uh, you know, oddly, when when that when my life is in turmoil or, or, or a lot of change, you know, when I was over in Korea, 
I was all by myself. And then, uh, you know, recently, not recently, fairly recently, you know, my dad passed away and my and I lost my job and all this other shit. And uh, I found myself watching the old Mystery Science Theaters more. And I know I watched them a lot over in Korea. And I think, like, part of me thinks that's been a constant in my life. So, like, when things are different or changing or, I don't want to say upsetting, but just different, you know, life life moves on. That's the way it is. I find myself, that's come almost like a, a safe haven or a place where my brain can kind of just say, okay, I know this. This is a thing I know. You know, I, I do that a lot with pinball machines where if I drive, if I have a particularly bad day or the drive home was pretty bad, I'll kind of go in and play a couple of pinball, pinball games. I have a Austin Powers pinball machine I bought new. And uh, just escapism, I guess. You know, and that's kind of what a good thing that movies movies are good for. But Mystery Science Theater services that pretty well. So I watched, you know, a couple of those funny ones. Um, I might actually do one or two of them of the movies I watched. Uh, for this show here, because I know the movies, and then I saw the riffs of the movies, and I was like, oh, that's, those are pretty pr- choice candidates for uh, for our slow robot to go army, and me to talk about, you to listen about me to talk about. All right, that's enough of me. Uh, that's all I watched this week. I'm going to try and do better next week, because I sure do like watching more movies than that. Um, let's take a trailer break, and then when we come back, we're going to get part one of a double feature for you guys. That's right, I'm back to my standard two movies. And this week is going to be all 80s all the time. So, uh, you know, put on your sunglasses that have those little bars across them and uh, get your mullet rocking and dig out any neon you might have to wear because we're going to the 80s, baby. Totally tubular. Gnarly bra. Buddy, are you okay? I'm not that far from dragging out of the car and beating you into dust. You should work up to that. Kind of leaves you nowhere to go. The mob wanted Harlem back. They got shot. John Shaft, a big, bad black private eye, in the middle of a mess, dealing with Harlem's boss, the Fuzz, the Moth, and the Fox Shaft's his name. Can you dig it? Shaft's his game. Some dig it. Yeah. Some don't. Shaft, this year's toughest flick. You say this kid is a bad mother. Shut your mouth. I'm talking about Shaft. Introducing Richard Roundtree as Shaft, directed by Gordon Parks. Music by the hot buttered soul man, Isaac Hayes. Shaft. In color from MGM, rated R. If you want to see Shaft, ask your mama. American International presents Cornbread Earl and Me, the story of a young man with a talent. Hey, superstar! And a dream. First boy from this neighborhood to make something out of himself. Like Sounder, it's a story of people who never lose their dignity or their pride. Take your hands off him. Shut up. I will not shut up. Like Claudine, it's a story of family life full of love and laughter. This is a dining room, not a gym. Oh, mama. Don't you owe mama me. Like no other movie, Cornbread Earl and Me will touch you. I'm going to miss that boy. And move you. Oh, please. And perhaps even shatter you. Cornbread Earl and Me, rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. You're a tremendous slouch. In the tradition of Russ Meyer, 
the screen explodes in a potent, virile explosion of sheer sexual energy. Only recent court decisions coupled with the brilliance of an international director make this film possible. From the withering cesspool of modern minds, an observation of the great society without morals. People in a hurry. Traveling a road that goes nowhere. People caught in the mirror of self-truth. A solid cinematic realization. Man and woman. Loving. Hating. Using. A slice of unleashed hate and violence. Don Davison's masterpiece of sin and sexual passion. Obscenity, obscenity. A tale of rampant desires and unfulfillment told with a candor that seduces the senses and erupts on the screen in a culmination of desires and passions that make this the supreme film. Obscenity, obscenity. The first motion picture that gives you more than it promises. No one under 18 will be admitted with or without their parents. Obscenity, obscenity. You don't see it. You feel it. Hey, hey, it's your old pal Krusty for my new pork sandwich, the clogger. If you can find a greasier sandwich, you're in Mexico. <laughs> All right. Uh, before I get too deep into the movie this week, I did want to say, make sure you go check out our web pages and online concerns and all kind of stuff. Uh, Slow Robot Go Go has a Facebook page, so please like and follow that if you could. Um, also go to bunchofdorks.com. Now, uh, it's looked kind of like in shambles since know, the, the mid-90s, uh, but apparently King Don has found some free time, and he's uh, he's kind of redesigned the buttons to make it look not homely. So, you know, I, he, I, I told him, asked him to bounce it off of our webmaster. So I'm thinking 2019 to 2020 is going to be a sweet spot. Uh, maybe earlier than that, I can't say. I'm, uh, I know King Don did his part. I'm not sure. The webmaster has quite a bit of stuff going on with kids and work and kids and work and work and work and kids and work. So, um, but we'll see. You know, it, it, King Don did his part. It looks gorgeous. Hopefully, we can relaunch and rebrand the Bunch of Dorks page to have some, uh, you know, because it even has some of my other shows. I do other shows for RadioStPete.com, and I'm going to put the full shows uploaded to the Bunch of Dorks website now. And that's a, I, have, I do one called a, a Indie Circuit, uh, which is all just independent music and me and Promi talk. And then uh, we roll right into uh, Saki Bamagogo, which is all kinds of Japanese punk and craziness and stupidity mostly stupidity but anyway so yay for that go to bunchofdorks.com you'll be glad you did alright uh, so I'm trying to think of which one I should start with they both neander in uh, different wa- wa- reasons different ways I mean you know I'm going to start with the boring one first nah yeah okay I will alright I'm going to start with a swords and sandals knockoff uh, in the this one okay this one I'm talking about Gunnem King of the Barbarians from 1982. Uh, it, it was a very, it was an Italian ripoff or Italian knockoff um, of the sword and sandals uh, genre. And one of the, for a while, maybe even still today, I don't think so though. For a while, Italian cinema was basically like Star Wars hit 
And then there was just all kinds of crazy Star Wars uh, knockoffs, and they were really bad. Every now and then you'd find one that was kind of enjoyable or funny or fun to watch, you know, for if you're getting drunk or just hanging out with your friends and making fun of stuff. Um, and, and so for a while, anything that was hip, they took and knocked off kind of like China, uh, but for the movies. So I saw this Italian, after I watched the movie, the other, the next movie we're going to do, uh, you know, it was, the, Netflix was like, hey, you, you seem to be really into the 80s. Here's something you should watch, or maybe this one. How about this one? Do you like this one? And I was like, leave me alone, Netflix. I'm, I'm just sitting here. Uh, but then this one came up and I was like, okay, I haven't done a, uh, 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 this is basically a Conan ripoff. So somebody in Italy saw, you know, saw Arnold Schwarzenegger and being Conan and then he's saw Red Sonja and then they're like, we can steal this idea enough that we can make a movie for four bucks and sell it for 20 net profit. Um, and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of relaunched the sword and sandals. I don't know if they relaunched it. It became kind of cool for a, a couple of 20 minutes or so uh, because he was he had a very imposing screen presence. He made Conan uh, kind of a very cool ent- entity at that time. Now, Conan, historically throughout the ages, has does have a very deep following. They uh, it's It's a very popular franchise. Arnold kind of embodied that very well in the in the early 80s. He was a gigantic. He was fresh off of his multiple uh, Mr. Olympian wins and uh, and was just this massive giant of a man. So he looked perfect for the part. And kids like a young Mao ate it up and loved every minute of it. You know, and um, and then you know it kind of so it became popular. And then a couple a couple different uh, movies came um, spun off of that. But then uh, Italy said, why not us? So basically this one is, I don't know, this one was tough to get through in that nothing happened. It was walking around in the desert, the movie, and and that's, I think there was literally like 28 minutes of footage, and then they just kind of used slow-mo and looping and sad tears of a clown to finish the movie. Uh, you know, it's the whole, like, okay, they're in a peace, there's a peaceful little village, and it looks like, you know, like, those guys just kind of wander around, like, hitting mud off of mud, and there's little huts, and there's a lady giving birth, and then the evil, the, the evil clan rides into town to destroy everything and burn everything down and rape and pillage and all that crap, which we've seen a hundred billion times, and, uh, you know, and the, the uh-oh, the, the woman gave birth to twins. They didn't see that on the, uh, little little belly thing that they do. Oh, they don't have that back then. They just put a rock on her belly and, and they, they couldn't see if it was one or two kids. Uh, so it was two kids and like, wow, two boys. And then quick witch run away with this. And she said, Hey, 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 I'm going to. So she runs away all the, the exact moment as the, the, the pillaging people are killing everyone. And the head bad guy kills the father and cuts the mother's head off and ha ha ha. Look how evil I am. And then one of them says, Oh, look, there was, there was, uh, there was babies. There was a baby. They knew a one. So that comes to play later. Plot twist. So then he's like, "We'll go kill her because the witch force told of this." And oh my god, I don't. Know. I that. I wonder if that was a viable career option back then. He just like wander town and say, "Ha ha! I'm a fortune teller," and they'd be like, "Wow, this guy might have something. Give me some mead, and I'll 
tell you about whatever, and then they, they give you money and booze, and then you're like, and you, you'll be visited by a ghost of three Christmases, one past and present, and other things and other words. And then they, they then you walk away, and they're like, hi, ah, sure fooled them. But these movies, always, they didn't have the budget to show the witch, you know, because usually these movies, then they'll cut to a witch, and she's usually scantily clad so you can see some boobies. Not really, but implied boobies. And she's usually stroking a snake of some sort or peering into some smoky liquid going, yes, I can see the future. Uh, this one didn't have the snake or boobies or smoke water budget. Smoke on the water budget. Deep Purple did not play anything here. And then they were like, oh, well, anyway, the witch foretold it. Remember, right? Right, everyone? You remember that. And everyone's like, I guess. So they ran after the witch, but she got away. Like, oh, yay. No, but she, I mean, she, I think she got, she died of exhaustion. So then a clan of women warriors found the two babies. And they're like, wow, this is that story we heard. So they watched the beginning of the movie, apparently. And then they're like, oh, that's that story we heard. So let's take these two kids and then. And they raised them as warriors, but instead of female warriors, they were men warriors, so they were men. And she's like, okay, only one of you can be the one that was foretold, and the brothers fight each other. And the one that was clearly the star of the movie uh, was there, and then then his brother said, no, I'm going to do it. And he takes the sword, and magical sword, and runs away. Because they have powers to see the past, I guess. I don't know how that would work. Whatever, I don't, you know. That's the part I'm questioning. Anyway, so he says, I'm going to go kill that guy that destroyed our village and burn it down. Which, as a side note, look, man, I don't, you know, maybe I'm very naive. If you're an invading army and you run you run into some village, you know, the only reason you're going to burn it to the ground is so somebody either coming towards you or chasing after you has no resources. Stuff was, you don't just build a village. You know, you, you I mean, you live there then, or something. Like, there's no tactical advantage to running and killing everyone and burning everyone to the ground. You're like, well, huh, okay, that was an afternoon. Why, why'd we do that? I don't, mm, who knows? So, anyway, but I digress. I mean, I know famously the Russians did it, I think, where they would burn everything down as they were pulling the other armies into the deep sadness of winter to make life miserable, and that's, you know, of course. But I don't think that was, I think they just... Uh, play that up in these movies could be wrong maybe it's a some barbarian tactic i don't i never studied in the history books uh so so now that the, the brother that isn't the chosen one confronts the guy he's like haha i'm gonna avenge my family and he's like oh really and then uh ha two of his henchmen killed him and then the bad guy's like well all right done with that no more don't have to worry about that and he just saunders away like yay i beat that prophecy so now nothing but blue skies ahead and, uh, yeah, no, because, you know, man, guy, the, the real prophecy is going to come for you and and, uh, and and kill you. Spoiler alert. Uh, so, uh, did I say, this is from 82, that's what I'm saying. So, you know, so now he's, um, you know, Gundam is now like, oh, I'm going to go and kill this guy because, you know, he, he needs, uh, he needs to get his comeuppance. And then there was this side plot where the the woman from the from the the woman because he gets nailed by a he also gets hit by an arrow so then they care for him and that's thing there's so much thing and then, but there's nothing that, that that's the problem there's a lot of stuff going on but it's nothing it doesn't mean anything so she's like falls in love she's one of the warrior princesses that that trained him so she's in love with him but uh oh here comes some woman that they saved 
and she's quite the plucky gal and then they fall in love and roll around in the water and make love and then the, then the lady gets really angry and she's like well now we have to cast you out of our village and kill you and he's like well i don't know i'm gonna go kill that guy so let me do that and then they're like okay well just do whatever i mean i guess the the woman warrior law code is pretty lax i don't know so then so he's like, I'm going to go kill that guy, and, and then you can banish me from the village and do whatever you want to do. But just take care of my new love of my life, plucky gal, ex-stripper. And he, he and she's like, oh, and then that lady that was wronged was like, okay, I will. He splits, uh-oh, she takes, she takes the woman, the, our, our, our hero's girlfriend to the bad guy and says, hey, you want to kill Gundam? Because he is back. You thought you killed the prophecy, but you didn't. So here's this guy. Or here's this chick. Now you have her. He's gonna come for you. And then you can kill him. And then there was some meaningless fight uh, from the from the women. Oh no, that was before that. Sorry. So so, so now now our hero Gundam is like Gunnan, 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 Gunnan. I say Gunnan. That sounds the dumbest way to say that. So Gunnan is like, okay, I'm gonna go kill that guy now. I'm really angry because he has my woman. I don't know how that happened, but whatever. And then the the women army is like, you know what? We're sick of these guys too, so we're gonna back you up. So just go get him, and then, and then he's like, okay, end fight, the end. He kills the guy, and uh, I don't know, has the women, and then, and then that's the end. And then Gunam, Gunan, Gumar, Gunar is uh, the the victor, and the end of story. This one was very very boring, uh, and and I hate. That, I hate to even say that because you know some of these, you cut them a break because it, it whatever it was a trying shoot or, but this story was this they could have had a couple extra scenes, and it would have made them the it was short already I think it was like a hundred and twenty what was it one twenty, let me look at eighty seven minutes yeah, that's that's and you can't fill that out you know it's so much just padding and walking around and you're showing people walking through like shrubbery and bushes in the desert and then you're showing this guy sitting there going yeah all right you know there was no nothing uh, even the even the, the, the even the, the battle scenes which probably were tough to shoot i'm not minimizing that shooting an invading army on horseback and all the peasants get killed by axes that's not a one take and you're done afternoon you know but okay you know it, it, that's and that's my biggest my biggest problem with most of these movies when I when I'm bad, when I'm down on them is that they are just boring and this one was boring. Um, no nudity. The violence was mostly implied. So if you don't have those two things, well then you have to come correct with a story then you know, like if you're gonna try and be like oh here's a sword and sandals action movie like just like Conan but better every right everyone, and then then you don't have nudity you don't have violence. And your star doesn't really have like that state, like that scene presence, like Schwarzenegger, which of course you're not gonna, you know. Then what? Are you, what are you bringing? You know. And then this, the story was serviceable, but then sh- do that, do that story, and just had a, a couple more scenes probably would have been, would have made it a tighter movie, but maybe just ran out of money or who knows. So anyway, this one, kind of a slog, you know. Overall, this was like a four to me. And um, that's sad, but uh, what are you gonna do? So I'm saying a, a, a no go on uh, Gunan. 
Well, how, let me see if I can say it. In, 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 I'm looking at the the the, the poster in, in Italian. Gunan il Guerrero. I think that means the barbarian. And now you know. Knowledge is power. All right, here's some trailers, and then when we come back, it's time for another 80s movie. But this one delivers some of the goods. Not all the goods, but some. It appears now that intelligence was wrong about the Chechnyans being in charge. That was bad intelligence. Very bad intelligence. I'm sorry. The Schoolgirls is an X-rated film based on actual inquiries into the secret life of teenage girls. The Schoolgirls will open and close the eyes of all parents. I'm no longer a child, Dr. Fox. In fact, you haven't yet grasped. I'm 18 years old now and I live in the 20th century and what I've done is purely my concern. Witness the new morality in the revealing and shocking motion picture, The Schoolgirls, rated X from Fine Films. The wildest strange in this mad, mad town, Hollywood. Now look, kid, let's get something straight right now. You're the one that wants to be a star, not me. You don't love me anymore. Hit me! Sure! An all-American boy sings his way into your hearts. Like thousands of kids who come to Hollywood every year, see Arch Hall Jr. in the swingingest musical action picture of the year. We can't have that. He wants a girl. Get one for him. Nothing could shake him from his goal. Not even Daisy. A frenzy of music and action. International Films, the swingingest picture of the year. C.R. Hall Jr. and Nancy Czar in Wild Guitar. It's his mother. She interferes. Perhaps they need a good talking to, if you don't mind my saying so. Perhaps a bit more. Airport. In the air and on the ground. Action, suspense, excitement that never lets up. Starring Burt Lancaster, Dean Martin, George Kennedy, more than a dozen top stars. Airport comes roaring at you with the power of a 747 at full throttle. Grab him, he's got a bomb! You stay where you are! Don't try to get any closer. You'll kill yourself or nothing if you explode that bomb. Your insurance is canceled, it's worthless. This airport is staying open. You're blocking my runway. Petronia, he'll take over. He tears his ship apart, I hope you've got eight million to pay for it. I'll have this out of here by midnight. If I have to pull that plane out with my teeth, the number one novel of the year, now an overpowering motion picture. The Ross Hunter production, Airport, from Universal. Rated G, all ages. Do you want to dip the size of your milk for a quarter more? Want me to punch the size of your face for free? All right, now we are back to the feature this week of a movie I love. is going to be uh, Bloodsport. That's right. This isn't really a B movie, but I guess it probably is a B movie. It's a... 
it's an A-lister in my heart. Uh, famously, or not so famously, I guess, I should have tried to promote this better. Uh, I watched, a couple years ago, I watched Jean-Claude Van Damme, every movie he was ever in, in chronological order. Now, that's not as easy as it might sound, uh, you know, because there was a couple where he was just kind of like in the background, like in Breaking, he was just a spectator. I watched it, uh, and I, you know, and then he was a stunt guy and a, a soldier driving in Mission in Action, Missing in Action, which is a Chuck Norris movie. He, it was like 12 frames, but I, I saw it, you know. And then there was a couple others that were, but you know, 80s Van Dam, early 90s Van Dam. He was a machine, you know. Now, I'm a huge fan of Jean Claude Van Dam. I never, I don't think he got his fair due. For all he's contributed, you know, he's kind of known for a couple of really shticky ones. Uh, Bloodsport was the one that kind of really blew up. I mean, and he, you know, he, that made him an action superstar. Then he did like Double Impact and Double Team with Rodman and uh, a lot of other stuff. Kickboxer, you know, he's famous for his splits. But I remember when I when I watched through all of his movies, I kept count of those. It wasn't that many. It's not as many as people think because it's so memorable. You know, I I, I want I I guarantee it was like eight or nine or something like that, and then everyone's like, oh, he does all those splits every time, and you're like, no, no, I'm sure he, you know, he went through a couple periods of his life. You know, now he's almost kind of making a slight comeback with um, almost self-referential stuff. You know, he is beloved by a lot of action star fanatics and fans like me. Um, he was one of those guys that was so weird. For for some reason, they always tried to build in a reason why he had his wacky Belgian accent. But Schwarzenegger was just like whatever, you know. And I, like that, no one even mentioned it, you know. So I'm not sure what that was about, you know. And he hit during a time when and that was uh, action movies were reigning supreme in the 80s. And he was, uh, I thought he was a very important part of that landscape. Not the most, you know. You had Schwarzenegger and Stallone were the heavy hitters. I thought he was third. I know there was a lot of people out there. Uh, Seagal was there. Uh, Charles Brunson was still wandering around with his gun. Uh, you know, there was a lot of others, but Van Damme, to me, always held a special place in my heart. And this movie really kind of b- kicked it off. Now, Bloodsport is a... I don't know how to say this. I mean, he, it was written... Supposedly, there's a, a Frank Dukes is an American martial artist, and he's come out a couple different places and, way, and saying that he this story was him and he was really, you know, trained in, in these martial arts and then, like, you know, went uh, went to Japan for this blood sport thing that people died in and the kumite and all that kind of stuff. I'm not too sure of the validity of all the story, yeah, but whatever. I'm not, not here to put Frank Duke's on trial i'm here to talk about the movie and the movie is awesome (laughs) because the movie also stars my second favorite actor in the whole entire universe that's of course bolo young um any martial art movie that doesn't have bolo young has failed as a martial arts movie and uh that's just the reality deal with it if you're you know if you don't have him in your movie and you're making a martial arts movie you failed so in this movie frank dukes uh jean-claude van damme you know he kind of leaves the army goes awol so he can join this, uh, the, the go to fight in the Kumite in Hong Kong. I think it's Hong Kong. Uh, yes, Hong Kong. And, uh, and, and like, the army's after him because he's such an important special weapon for the army. You're like, eh, okay. 
So he gets into this thing, and, and this movie, I don't know if this was the first. No, this wasn't the first. Not even close. I'm sorry. A lot of martial arts movies have the these tournament-style fights. This one, because I, you know, Master of the Flying Guillotine did it, where he, they were almost superhuman. They were like kind of had powers, some of them. Um, and then, but this one is like the best fighters in the world just show up to, you know, there's the sumo wrestler, there's the, there's the all kinds of crazy characters. Bolo Young is the is the reigning champion because he's Bolo, and um, and at some point, you know, uh. Our hero Van Dam joins up with uh, Booger. No, not Booger. What was his name? Uh, Donald Glib. He was he was famous for uh, being in the Revenge of the Nerds. He was the one that screams nerds. Um, big burly guy. Looked like a biker. He played a biker in this one. You know, and he's just uh, he's he's just as he's really big. He's like I want to say he's probably like six five six six. And all of hundreds of pounds, so he was perfect for this role. He was very muscular in this at this point in his life, so he played just like that shit kicker American. Yeah, and just does all he, he doesn't. He's not a martial artist. He just knows how to fight really well. So he made it to the kumite just for, by brawling and throwing people around and stuff like that. And uh, and he added some some much needed le- not levity but. Uh, Little, he added to the story. It was fine, because of course, uh, er, pretty early on, Bolo Young realizes that this guy is going to be trouble for his reign as the king of all Kumite, because um, Van Dam is is very agile. He's very strong. You know, he's he's a, he's an actual competitor. Now, any of these guys that is in the Kumite could potentially win, because that's kind of how fighting is. One shot. Sometimes that's the end of it. Um, but, you know, they had the drunken, they had the monkey guy, and then they had, like, the drunken masters, and these guys are, like, the small Korean guys, that's, you're not gonna take out Bolo Young, I don't care how many times you hit him, you know, some of these, like, it'd be, like, a small guy jumping on, uh, on the, the, the biker dude, you're like, eh, he's, he's twice, he's three of you, so, it's gonna take a lot of work, um, and then there's, there's, like, these side plots where, you know, Bolo is influencing any way he can to to make sure that Van Dam doesn't doesn't win, you know, and 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 it's uh, uh they, they, like there's all these scenes of like that kind of flashback of the teacher showing him things, and one of the things that that's tough is they this was redone even in Van Dam's filmography a few times. You know, it came out, like, right after this one, there was, like, uh, Kickboxer, and then there was Lionheart, and, 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 like, not Lionheart, but there was, there was a few that were like, well, that one was really popular, let's just do Ki- Bloodsport 2 Electric Boogaloo, um, so, boo to that. Uh, th- you know, then, then, they're moving up through the, through the tournament, and it's shown a few times that Bolo Young k- murders people to prove a point, like, don't come into the ring. Very Mike Tyson-ish back in the 90s, or 80s and 90s. Most people did not want to climb in the ring with Tyson. Not that he would murder you, but, well, he might murder you. Uh, and that's kind of... Uh, Bolo did a lot of interesting things uh, throughout these these tournaments that were 
sketchy at best. You know, at one point, the council that was that was overseeing this to to award the the top martial artists of that year, you know, they they stood up and turned their back to him when he killed somebody once because he didn't need to. He just did, and uh, and then he kind of just like he just like waved his hand and I'm like, ah, shut up, I don't care about you. After that, now it's time for uh, Bolo Young to fight Ray Jackson. And I, I I called Ray Jackson Booger, but that's not true. I, my, my brain frets out a little bit. In Renner, he was Org. Uh, gigantic guy. So, he actually, like, it looks like he's he kind of beats Bolo. And Bolo was surprised a little bit. He knocked him down, but then he starts showboating. And Bolo Young gets up. And then he takes him out. And he I think he was tried to kill him, but he just put him in the hospital real bad. And that's when there's this touching scene where, like... Because now there's this reporter gal flittering around, like, Oh, you know, Van Damme, you're, you're kind of hot. We should make out. And also, uh, now I care about you. And, and I'm also a victim bait and, and kidnap bait. So he goes to the hospital and, and Booger's still, or uh, Org is still alive. And he's like, yeah, you know, he's going to really hurt you. Everyone's kind of saying, don't do it now. But Van Damme's like, no, I'm going to triumph because I'm Frank Dukes. And so then he, then he fights him. And there was a part where, because Bolo comes out the fight before and points to his knee. He'd taken, uh, he'd taken Ray Jackson's head bandana, Harley Davidson bandana and wrapped it around his knee. So it's kind of a, uh, a screw you to Van Dam, and then they're fighting, and they're the, they're they made it through the brackets. Now it's the the, the culmination, the big fight. Oh my God, what's gonna happen? Now it's now it's Van Dam versus Bolo Young. It's the greatest thing ever that Young Mao has ever seen in his life, and they they're Dukes is ki- uh, you know uh, Van Dam is beating him up pretty good, and he's kind of winning this fight. Uh oh, nefarious action. Then, uh, you know, Bolo Young gets something out of his out of his like uh, obe, his, you know, his waistband, and he throw he like goes oh he throws it. It's uh, powder that makes Van Damme blind. Oh no! Now he's gonna lose. He's gonna get murdered by Bolo Young. But then he's flipping out a little bit and getting beat up. But then he thinks back to his training, and they show a montage. It's time for an '80s montage. Because 80s mu- movies loved montages. And he has a montage and he's like, oh, his master's like, oh, you don't, you should fight without seeing. He's like, that's dumb. He's like, is it? Wink. So then he shows him learning how to do it. And he grabs a fish out of the water without, with his blindfolded. And he, he stops a kick before it punches, kicks him in the face. You are ready, son. So now he, he, he settles down and refocuses his energy. And he's like, okay, now I'm going to. That's it. You know, now I'm gonna be awesome. And uh, he stops the, the 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 kick, and Bolo's like, "Wah!" And he throws him. And he's like, "Ha ha! I'm not dead yet." And then he then Bolo Young throws the the ref in his way. But then, oh oh, nope. Van Dam's not falling for that trick. He feels his, his thing. He says, "Go behind me." And now everyone's chanting, "Oh, go Van Dam! Go Van Dam!" And the crowd has turned on Bolo. And he's really angry about it. He's like, oh, oh, I'll show you, you young whippersnapper. His his name was Chung Li, and it was Chung Li, Chung Li. Like, it was always, it was a very pro Chung Li, uh, Chung Li uh, uh, crowd, the whole t- t- tournament. But they've turned. 
kind of like uh, the Russians in Rocky IV, except not at all like the Russians in Rocky IV. Uh, and then, so now they're starting to bet on him, and they're like, oh, you're a good fighter, you're great. And then, uh oh, well, then he's, he, he beats him, and he doesn't kill him, he makes him say, uncle. That's an even worse, like, that's worse than being murdered in the eyes of Chung Li. Chun, I want to say Chong Li, not Chun Li. Chun Li would have won that, that whole competition easily with her lightning kick. Um, and plucky good looks. Uh, the, but, so he made him say uncle, and then he didn't kill him. He just disgraced him, and that's it. Frank Dukes is the greatest thing in the history of ever. Now, much has been made about the real Frank Dukes and how it's all fabricated, and he's obviously insane. I don't care. The movie is awesome, and I love this is the one. This this one made me like, oh, my God, Van Damme is awesome. Uh, martial arts, he had it all, you know. I mean, he still does. He's not, you know, he, he's actually in incredibly good shape, and he's, you know, like a lot of actors and, and uh, action stars and stuff like that, he's gone through quite a few wives and quite a few messy periods where drugs were prevalent and, you know, kind of showing up with some powder around his nose like I, I but no he's um now nah, he's a he's a he's back on he seems like he's kind of making a revival and I'm and I hope he does because I love his movies and I think he's a pretty cool guy in in reality movie had a lot of a lot of people in it a lot of like you know actors and actresses that you've seen other places have done other things Forrest Whitaker was in it he was one of the evil army guys trying to bring him back alive so he could help fight the war I don't know what war. I just made that up in my head. But he was the army guy that was trying to get him back. Uh, if you haven't seen this, <laughs> you know, I would say you definitely have to. It, it was low budget. It wasn't like this was a lot of money was put into this. Uh, probably one to one and a half mil. This is, I don't think it was the Golden Globus, but it was, uh, might as well have been. Let me see who, who made this one. I don't know. I can't tell. I, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, but it, it might as well have been Canon or Golden Golden Glo Golden Globus because um, it was right there with it. But it launched his career. It really did make him take off. And then, hey, he went on to to meet Dennis Rodman. You know what more could you ask in life, right? This one for me gets an eight point five. Can you dig that? Yeah, I'm probably insane for saying that, but um, I've been called way worse. <laughs> this week, probably, I've been called way worse. But, uh, yeah, Bloodsport, to me, is the quintessential action interpretation of martial arts that you're ever going to get. You know, martial arts movies are kind of kung fu movies. Martial arts movies, they're their own entity. And there's a lot of fighting and, and, and stuff like that, but they're not an action movie. To me, that, that's a different thing. That's a way different thing. Action movies are are macho, you know, Schwarzenegger and R R Rambo's and all that kind of crap. This one was one that one of the few that I think really melded it together and it was the Kumite um setting, the framing device of the of the tournament made it helped it. The fighting scenes were great. They were the choreographed cuz it was all it was all those different styles of fighting, you know. There was they put a couple filler stuff like but it was like there was kung fu there was the monkey stance there was the the sumo guy did pretty good until van damme did his split and kabang between the legs and that was the end of that but he was a good guy about it you know and then there was there was but so it was it was that was a really exciting interesting thing even if you didn't like the storyline the fights were great 
The setting was awesome. Well shot. Didn't see any boom mics. You know, what the hell. Uh, so definitely check out. If you like action movies or martial arts movies, definitely go see Blood Fight. Or Blood Fight. No, Blood Fight was a Bolo Young knockoff after this. So well, I, don't, I don't know if you want to see that. Probably not. I don't know when that came out. Blood Fight, I think, had to be after uh, uh, Blood Sport. Because, you know, oh God, Bolo Young's done 20 million things at this point. Uh, blood fight, blood fight, blood fight. I should probably do this before I went on air. Blood sport. Yeah. yeah. One year later, blood fight starring Bolo Young. And he's probably, you know, he's probably Frank Dukes in that version. I have it out there on my DVD set. It's still wrapped. I can't believe that. Uh, you know, some, I'm a huge Bolo fan. Yeah. Obviously not because I haven't watched blood fight yet. So there you have it. Um, you know, the, the the barbarian Italian knockoff? Definitely not. Bloodsport, if you haven't seen it, where you been? I'll, I'll, you know, get out of the Stone Age, man. You got to watch the, watch the quintessential 80s martial arts action movie. All right, that's it for this week. Uh, oh, I am getting closer to launching Daddy-O's screen printing is going to be having a B-movie shirt run. I'm kind of getting the artwork all together, getting the screens burned, you know, some real classics in there. I'm doing a Scream, Blackula Scream, Undertaker and his pals. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones I have. Uh, one of them didn't turn out real good, um, but I'm working on them. I, I, have, I have two others that I, that I did the artwork for. I can't remember the names of them right now. Kind of classic, those horror B-movies from the 60s, 70s, you know. I'll be pitching that a little bit more. I try, I'll try not to super shill, but, eh, you know, fella's got to make a buck. So uh, I'll, I'll be linking that up in the near future. Thanks for listening, everyone. I will see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Hey, hey, it's your old pal Krusty for my new pork sandwich, the Clogger. If you can find a greasier sandwich, you're in Mexico. <laughs> Pour it on, Morris. Give it everything she's got. Believe it!